Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Before we get started, I want to tell you about WGT Golf, not only the most popular golf game in the world, but the official gaming partner of DNVR. Of course, we've been telling you about the DNVR Clubhouse, the DNVR 2 Clubhouse, but hey, now we've got the DNVR 3 Clubhouse, but don't let having the three on there fool you. You get access to all the same games, all the same fun, uh, all the all the same good times that we're having over in the DNVR and DNVR 2 Clubhouse. So make sure you go to dnvrgolf.com and download WGT, a game that is played by more than 20 million players around the world. You can play it on any of your devices. You can play it on your iPad. I like to play it on the tablet. There's even a way where you can take it and you can throw it on your screen and uh, and play as if you're playing a video game on Nintendo Switch, PS4, whatever. WGT Golf, it's just that versatile of a game, that versatile of an app. You can play stroke play, Match play, you can play Pebble Beach, Beth Page, Black St. Andrews, the Ocean Course at Kiowa Island, and many more courses. You can even play Top Golf. If you've been missing Top Golf, haven't been able to get out there, you can play it on WGT Golf. And if you've got some favorite brands in re- the real world, you know what? You can use them on WGT Golf as well. Titleist, Callaway, Ping, TaylorMade, and more. Go to, D- go to DMVRGolf.com, join the DMVR3 Clubhouse, and download WGT Golf today. Let's get started. Broncos country is sitting in the south stands, drinking the curds from my life. Best part of the weekend, got them hugging the perfect stranger. They become friends, having a good time when the orange and blue WIN. Welcome to the DNVR Broncos podcast, the DNVR Broncos camp show training camp rolling on. Andrew Mason here. Zach Stevens out at Broncos headquarters, having just taken in Broncos practice. Hank or Henry, what do you prefer? I don't know. Well, the current plan is to introduce myself as Hank to men and (laughs) is what I was told. So we're rolling with that. So like, feel free to call me whatever, I guess. I don't know. I I went with Hank right there, if you can see. Yeah, I see. Yeah, it says Hank, but, you know, I'm based here and sometimes people call me Andrew. So I'm going to say Henry and Henry is your byline. That's the thing, right? I know it is. It It is. So there you go. So we're going to go with Henry Chisholm. Of course, you've read his work covering the CU buffs. And uh, of course, you've heard him talking about the draft, talking about fantasy football now with Andre Simone. So good to have you in for Ryan Konigsberg, who's on assignment. Hope he's having a good time where he is. Before we move on, I want to tell you about MSU Denver, our presenting sponsor, which puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you 
to decide between earning a degree and, and living your life. It is the Colorado Institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors to bring the real world into the classroom. Of course, everyone's going online right now. You kind of have to. MSU Denver has been operating in the online sphere for years. They are pros at distance learning, pros at online education, 40-plus online hybrid programs, and over 750 classes that you can take. You can get an outstanding education without even having to leave your house through MSU Denver. Of course, they have their campus downtown, but really their campus is anywhere, on campus or online. It's all the same to MSU Denver, and they want you to know their students do just as well in their online courses as they do in person. So check out MSU Denver if you want to further your education. msudenver.edu slash online will tell you all they have to offer. It's never too late to add to your education. Zach? My boys, what's up? Happy to be coming live to you from training camp. But before we dive into what went on the field, Henry, I got to ask, I feel like Hank is the name to go with when you're talking really? to the ladies. When you're oh, talking to see, the that ladies. just threw a wrench in everything we come up with. In all the hours I spent at the DMVR bar, that is what we had solidified. It's like when I'm, when I'm like trying to make a move or something, it's like, it's Henry. I'm like a nice gentleman. When I'm here, it's Hank because we have a lot of fun. Oh, because you're, you're so you're savage when you're Hank. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's, yeah, there you go. it's Hank. When I'm in more of a chill mood, it's Henry. <laughs> uh, we I, can I keep workshop. <laughs> yeah. uh, I was going to say something that probably could have been interpreted as going too far and maybe wouldn't have been the best for a family podcast. <laughs> but instead, I'll say this I have a signed uh, baseball from the great Henry Aaron up there oh. on display, <clears throat> but he signs it as Hank Aaron. Yeah. yeah well, that's so. a pretty good baseball to have. Well, yes, if you exactly. ever need me to sign a baseball, I'll uh, try to figure out what <laughs> name to use. <laughs> oh, man. It's probably like my signature. Anytime I sign something, it actually devalues the object oh, that I'm signing. It. That's not the case. Probably. Oh, <laughs> man alive. Oh, Guys, some, uh, some autographs you couldn't get today. You couldn't get a Bradley Chubb autograph Ooh. out here at Broncos camp. Not only was Bradley not practicing, he wasn't even here. And to me, I had some people reach out and say, is it a big deal that he's not there? What does it mean that he's not there? Why is Graham Glasgow at practice and Bradley Chubb's not? And kind of just the talk with the media here, and I'm sure both of you would agree, is it just isn't a good look. And not, not on Bradley, but on the injury, on what's going on. Now, after practice, Vic Fangio said uh, that Bradley's getting better. He'll be back soon. Uh, so that, that's good. Uh, but for a third straight day after leaving practice with with his knee not feeling comfortable, Bradley Chubb wasn't out here and Von Miller wasn't practicing. Now, Vic, after practice, said that that was basically a rest day. And I just think that he said basically in there. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to overlook that. But interesting to see without the uh, two highest drafted players on your team out there today. Now, what do you put on that? Because Bradley Chubb actually was hanging out on the practice field Monday, even though he wasn't taking part. But what do you make of the fact that he was out there Monday, but he hasn't been outside because he wasn't outside yesterday either, right? Yeah. I, yeah I, so I'm not two days sure. in a row. I think so, yeah. And it just, it just only is making me nervous, uh, more nervous as the days go on. If, if he's not out there tomorrow, that, that level just continues to grow. And if, especially if he's not out here, out here, even if he's not practicing, but, 
not out here. That That's not good because we got to see Graham Glasgow out here today. He's walking around the field. He has not a not a boot or a cast or anything on his leg, just a little extra sleeve, like a long sock. But he's walking around just fine. So I do believe that Graham Glasgow will be back next week in practice, not worried about him for week one. But when you don't see a guy, it does just raise that concern level even more. It has to, right? Like, like you have to want to see him out there on the field. And I'm still not really concerned. But, but you remember that he's still a young player. And that's what I kind of keep coming back to. You know, going into year three, missing all of last year, most of last year, he's still at a point where you want him on a practice field developing. Like, he is not his full self yet. And to me, it's more about, like, what are we getting when he comes back? Is, is this the difference between a guy who's like uh, an 11 sack per game season uh, type of player or a 13 sack type guy? Like, is that the difference we're seeing here in this week of practice or does it not really matter? That's where I'm kind of questioning myself. Well, I think the biggest thing that's probably going to help him be at an 11 or 13 sack level is being healthy. So for, even though he only played four games last year, you presume he knows the system. One thing about being an edge rusher is you're not talking about it as a position like inside linebacker where you're making all the pre-snap checks and calls or even like safety. So there's a little more simplicity involved in going out there and doing your job. So it really is, for the most part, about making sure he's healthy and he's a smart player. Uh, there's nothing that indicates he isn't familiar uh, with the scheme that I think to me, it's all about just getting him healthy. And if you, and if rest right now means that he can be full speed by say week three or week four, I think you go ahead and, and take it, even though he's a young guy and could presumably use those practice reps. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And you, you have to play the long game with Bradley Chubb because he's too talented uh, and he's too important to your long-term plans to throw him out right now and, and risk anything else. So I'm okay with them with them pumping the brakes. But yesterday we found out from Vic that when Bradley Chubb's back, he's not going to be 100% of what Bradley Chubb was. Not just health, but just the, the type of player he is. He's not going to be that week one. In fact, Vic didn't want to put a limit on how long he's not going to be that Bradley Chubb type of player. And then today we're finding out that he could very well be on a snap count in week one, which not a huge surprise the way the last few days have gone. But now we're finding out you're not going to get 100% of Bradley Chubb playing. And then when he's playing, he's not going to be 100%. So I'm I'm kind of taking a step back, kind of like we did with KJ Hamler, uh, and saying this may mess up more than just week one and week two and week three with Bradley Chubb. This may impact really the entire season with him. So I'm, I'm starting to reevaluate my expectations of him this year. Now for both of you, and I'll start with you, Hank, do you think it is significant that the Broncos in their post-practice zoom press conferences had Malik Reed speak? I think it's gotta be right. Like, like you don't, Put him out there if you don't think that he's a part of your team in some way. You know, uh, maybe I've been reading too much into the guys that they've been sending to the podium, but but seeing a guy like Dalton Reisner out there consistently is something that, to me, is a sign that they expect him to be doing big things. And I think that you have to read that into Malik Reed being there, especially with the Bradley Chubb news. Um, that's where I'm at, at least. I, I do think that he now has to be seen as the guy who, if, if Bradley Chubb plays... 60% of the snaps, you're looking at 30, 
35% of those going to Malik Reed and maybe whatever's left to attach you. Yeah, yeah, and I, I do think it's a big sign. Obviously, Malik Reed is making this team, but his role is just getting bigger and bigger. And we were kind of talking about how he can be the Shaq Barrett role that that was in Denver. He could be even potentially even bigger, have a bigger role that, than Shaq Barrett had in Denver his second season in the league. So uh, I expect big things from, from Malik Reed because today, again, I can't tell you how many times I've seen Malik Reed absolutely ball. Now, of course, we can't get into too many specifics, but Malik Reed filled in for Von Miller extremely well today. Uh, and I just can't say how impressed I am with this guy. Yeah, he looks like he's made the leap from year one to year two, obviously playing extensively as he was forced to in the middle in the middle chunk of the season. That's going to help you out tremendously. I mean, basically, it's either kind of adapt or die when you're out there on the practice on the in game in game reps, game conditions. But that said, he wasn't doing well enough to prevent Jerry Atakshu from taking reps from him down the stretch. Not that Atakshu hasn't done well in camp. He has, but Malik Reed has really upped his game. Every time I've been out there, I've seen him making plays. He's not the same type of player as Shaq Barrett, not as big, not as bulky, not as strong at the point of attack, but he's pretty decent dropping into coverage and he's quick off the edge and he gives you the luxury and also a talk to you of telling Bradley Chubb, all right, if you maybe even if you can only play 30% of the snaps right away, that's all we need from you. We trust these guys. Kind of like back in 2015 when you had Shaq Barrett and Shane Ray and you were able to withstand injury to Marcus Ware and then able to withstand injury to Shane Ray and having Shaq there. That's where depth helps you out. Yeah, it, it, it certainly does. And speaking of depth, we saw a guy pulled out of the deepest depths today to play on the first string and a sang bassy undrafted cornerback from wake was thrown into the mix today last night vic fangio decided he was gonna throw a sang bassy out there with the first team to play nickel cornerback this morning he told him and it was meant to see how he responded and vic was very impressed from what I saw, again, without going into details, I agree with Vic's assessment. Yeah, he, he's looked pretty good when he's been out there. I mean, obviously, he's uh, been behind uh, Devontae Harris, Devontae Bosby, Isaac Yadam uh, in the practices that, that I've seen. But he's looked solid. The question now is, for saying Bassey, and I think this has kind of been the question sort of uh, all along, is are there going to be enough cornerback spots on the roster to squeeze him in? Because you think, let's start with A.J. Boye, of course, Bryce Callahan, Michael Ojemudi is making the team. And then you have Bosby, Harris, Yadam that have been fi- that have been fighting for the number three role. And then you got Duke Dawson. And Duke Dawson right now looks to me like the uh, like an odd man out. But if you keep six cornerbacks... Does a saying Bassey take the spot of one of those guys who's been fighting for the number three corner role this whole time? Boy, it's hard to imagine that he would make that jump, even with an impressive practice. But it also speaks volumes that we're three days away from the end of training camp and cut day that instead of figuring out who the third corner should be and playing Yadam, Bosby, or Harris, that he's he's given uh, a saying Bassey all of these mm-hmm. reps. 
but I think it'll just be a little too little too late. But I mean, I think we can write his name in Sharpie for the practice squad. Yeah, I think the interesting thing is that even though there are no preseason games, we talked on an earlier podcast about how teams are monitoring these social media accounts of reporters who are at practices. And we've been limited on what we can write this and tweet out this week because the Broncos are considered to be in regular season mode. But all of us who cover the team had something to say on social media about saying Bassey in the wake of Vic talking about him getting first team sub package reps. So even though you don't have a, the, the preseason and the film to trust, this is the sort of thing that is going to put a saying Bassey on radars and maybe make it a little harder to sneak him through to the practice squad if you do put him on waivers this coming Saturday. And, so, and I think with the saying Bassey, it, it's worth noting that he is a smart guy. Like, as you mentioned earlier, like me and Dre do the draft pod. He's a guy who we spent some yeah. time on, somebody who I thought could get drafted and somebody who makes a lot of sense in this defense. You know, you look at guys like Kareem Jackson and Bryce Callahan, these littler, shiftier type guys who just have a great understanding of what an offense is trying to do. I'm not so sure that like Bassey has all of like the physical tools to be a great cornerback, but I can say that I'm really excited about that mentality. And the fact that he's playing this Vic Fangio defense that is built off of guys who just can understand what's happening in front of him. All this zone stuff, just, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to throw like the Chris Harris comps out there, mm. but I do want to say undrafted do guy ahead, coming yeah. through a little <laughs> bit undersized. And I think some of it is that like dog mentality. If he has that, the sky's the limit. Sky's the limit for saying Bassey. Yeah, they're different stylistically because Bassey's better in zone and Chris is yeah. more of a man guy. But in terms of the mentality, like you mentioned, in terms of the persistence, the ability to get beat and quickly shake it off and not have your confidence shattered by that. Sometimes we see that with corners. Unfortunately, uh, there, there have been times we, even though uh, Isaac Yadam has shown persistence, there have been times where it's been tough for him to kind of put things back together after being beaten. So maybe so, that was part of, maybe that was what part of what Vic wanted to see today. Not only the last minute, okay, Hey, you're going out there to be the number three corner, but also seeing how he responded to a higher level of competition and getting beat a couple of times. So the question to both of you, where's the roster spot for him? The roster spot would probably have to come from uh, one of those corners who's been battling for the number three role, because I know uh, uh, Matthew Kennedy here brings it up in the, in the comment section, chiming in from YouTube asks, would Denver even have five to six corners on the roster? Don't see them doing that. I think at minimum they have five. And I think six, I think six is actually a likelihood here. You'll see the Broncos carry probably right. They'll carry right around 25 players. John Elway has liked to usually have a pretty even offense defense split of 25, 25, and then three specialists on the 53. If you're going to go heavy depth wise at a position and not simply say, okay, we've got, you know, you know, we've got, we're going to have, one third team D lineman, one third team linebacker, one third team in third team in the secondary. If they're going to go heavy, it's going to be at cornerback because you run sub package so often, it effectively becomes your base defense. So your base package 
it, your bait or the, the scheme that, or, the, or the personnel grouping, pardon me, that you're going to run most often, it's going to be nickel. So you kind of start your depth chart with the assumption that, okay, we're, we have to have three first teamers at corner. And that means we want to have three second team teamers. And with safety kind of looking shaky right now in terms of depth behind Justin Simmons, Cream Jackson, then Trey Marshall, clearly the number three safety there. I, I think the Broncos do keep uh, five and probably six cornerbacks. Well, and just to build off that, Mace, the where where you would add a spot is at safety. You know you have three safeties. The fourth safety is so up in the air. Big Smooth 84 asks how P.J. Locke's been doing. He's probably been the, the fourth best safety out here, the, the fourth most impressive safety, and he hasn't been getting time with the ones. So uh, you have the depth at corner uh, instead of safety. So, yeah, I can definitely see you carrying more corners because of that. I'm, I'm just a little bit disappointed that that's how things shook out, though. I, I think that in, like, the modern NFL, the more good safeties you can have, the better. I think because you can play those guys in the box. You can play them as your dime linebacker. You can play them in the slot. You know, a guy like Kareem Jackson in an emergency situation, you can put him at cornerback. You have that versatility. You can almost see him as, like, half cornerback when you are constructing this roster. The problem is... You know, I haven't been at practice, but if Duke Dawson really isn't proving that he can be another one of those hybrid guys to convince the Broncos to keep him as a safety and use him as a piece in this whole versatile defensive scheme, I don't know. You know, it it is a little bit disappointing to me that it shook out this way where there are so many corners instead of safeties, but I do agree that you've got to be looking at keeping six corners because that's where you have the NFL caliber talent. And don't forget Michael Ogimudia as well because he's somebody whose skill set actually plays in well to having the role that was the hybrid that we saw Will Parks have down the stretch and uh, some bad news for Will today with a lower body injury in Philadelphia. So he's going to be on the shelf for a few weeks. So just want to say best wishes to, uh, to Will Parks and getting back, but uh, it's that sort of changes what you're looking for. And it's possible that in terms of the roster construction, if you're looking to uh, grab a, to ha- to create a spot for something elsewhere, Maybe it's thinking in terms of Michael Ojemudia being your fourth safety, even though he's more of a cornerback. Yeah, and I think that's exactly how, how it's going to to boil out. Just in 72 hours from now is when they make those final cuts. Uh, and that that is just crazy how quickly this is coming. But Hank, were you one of those crazy people pounding the table for a first round safety this past year? Kind of sounds like it. Uh, I, I wasn't. <laughs> I wanted first round Jerry Judy, and that's all I wanted. And I got what I wanted, and I'm happy. At the same time, though, there were guys like Jeremy Chin available in the second round, and he is going to be that special type of player that that guy that you can play at linebacker. You can play him as your slot defender. So versatile. And to see them not grab just like one more of those guys when you know you have the roster spot for them. That, <laughs> It's a, it's a shot right to my heart, if I'm being totally honest. <laughs> shot to his heart. Well, and, and, and safeties are hard to find. That's another, that's another thing to consider. The, the skill set involved with safety makes it just a difficult position to fill because you have to have range. You have to uh, have the physicality to go in the box. You have to have intelligence because uh, you've got a lot of pre-snap responsibilities at safety, more so than you traditionally have at the cornerback position. And I think frankly, it's one reason why we see these elite safeties that are start that are starting to climb up in terms of what they're getting in, in terms of contracts. And uh, 
why I think the Broncos erred in not getting Justin Simmons signed to a long-term deal in recent months, because if you know now, if they want to get him done, they're looking at a price tag of over $15 million because he should get more than Buda Baker did down in Arizona. Yep. And he will. He will. It just depends on where that's going to be. Uh, and speaking of second round picks, Broncos second round pick KJ Hamler did not practice today, but he was out there running around in pads. And so it, it was encouraging to see him out there moving around, not sprinting, but I would say running. So I was encouraged by that. I don't expect him to be a part of the week one game plan, maybe not even healthy enough by then. So still very much the long road with him, but that was something I saw today. That's a good sign. Just having him back on the field, but they, in my opinion, still got to put the bubble wrap on him and just let him, let that hamstring heal. Don't let this be something where it keeps coming back every, every few weeks. So I agree. I don't think we'll see him in week one. Maybe, maybe he's somebody you unleash in week three when you're trying to figure out ways to create some explosiveness to counter what Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, OJ Howard, and Rob Gronkowski are going to bring when those mighty bucks come sailing into Denver. Mighty Bucks. I like it. <laughs> oh, you, you see the old old buck helmet there in the background. So Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, we, we we talked about uh Andrew Beck quite a lot yesterday. And let's just say I think the Broncos were listening. They said uh yeah, he's gonna be a part of this offense today during practice. Oh well, there you go. And uh, he's like Patrick Hape was. 16, 17 years ago. And it's funny because I was talking with Nate Jackson a few practices ago. And uh, when I made that comparison, you could kind of see the light bulb kind of go on in Nate's head as far as why Andrew Beck makes this roster. Because if you were a Bronco fan back in the early 2000s, you may have sat there every summer and thought, Patrick Hape isn't making this team. And then year in and year out, he made the team because he could play fullback, H-back, tight end, could play on every sp- and play on every special teams unit. And he did that in Tampa for four years as well. Versatility does matter. I mean, is, is Patrick Hape one of the four best tight ends on the roster, purely a tight end? No. But everything else factors into that decision as well. So that's why Patrick, or Patrick Hape, um, Andrew Beck, is going to be on the 53. <laughs> yep. Yep. I think, I think so too. We'll officially know in 72 yeah. hours guys. The last thing I got from you for practice was Philip Lindsay after practice was asked if he's played the new Madden 21. And he said, no, I haven't because you know, I have a new kid and don't have time for that. And he said, wait, did they mess up my hair again? <laughs> uh, and, I can uh, confirm that it does look good. His hair does look yeah. good in the game. So I got to know, how was it messed up in the previous ones? I, I believe it was just like this really short type afro. And I think at uh, one point he might not have even had the hair. Wow, that's disappointing. Yeah, and I don't want to put that on Madden if it isn't true, but I do think I remember him not having hair at some point. I think we can put that on Madden, the way the way Phil acted by that. Okay, okay. yep. Uh, as if there needs to be another reason to complain about mad based on what we've seen in the social media sphere this week or if there's another reason to fire up phil because man we are we're we're 12 days away from the opener and this guy is ready to run through a wall right now i can't imagine how fired up he's gonna be at 8 30 on september 14th even without fans in the stands 
Oh yeah, he he is going to get the offense pumped. I can guarantee that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's yeah. going to be bouncing. He's going to be bouncing around, ready to go. So, any final thoughts, Zach? Since you were out there today, you know that's that's all I can say. My lips are sealed from uh, from mm-hmm. all the other observations. Oh man, oh, there's nothing like NFL paranoia. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we appreciate you joining us here on the DMVR Broncos Camp Show. If you've been watching live, for those of you listening on the podcast, just wait a couple of seconds. We're going to have more. Hank and I are going to take you through the comments, hear from uh, what you had to say in response to our last podcast. Zach, good to have you on. We'll uh, see your training camp takes later on today on the DNVR.com. And, uh, we got more on the other side here on the podcast, so stay tuned. Before we talk to the people, want to tell you about our friends at Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. Of course, that Avalanche Amber. You've got that going on right now. What better way to uh, express your hopes that the Avs can get this thing turned around here in the Western Conference semifinals? With them, am I getting a little Avalanche Amber? You can buy it at your local grocery stores around Colorado or over at Costco. If you're in the Denver area, it's not just about Breck Beer. As you know, it's about the farmhouse, that terrific restaurant they've got down at the brewery in Littleton. They need your help to keep the farmhouse kicking during this time. So use that magical code DMVR when you order your meal and beer and save $5 off. Call 303-803-1380 from noon to 8 p.m. to pick up. You can also order a beer. So it's not just getting the food, but you can also get the widest possible array of Breckenridge brews by going down to the farmhouse and picking up you can also order you can also eat in there right now but you're encouraged to call and plan ahead make your reservation 303-803-1380 they've got social distancing everything is set up to operate during the pandemic they'll but if you do a to-go order no problem they'll bring it out to your car for you and if you just want a little beer get get that 15 can sample maybe you don't know if you want avalanche amber or our, fa- our vanilla porter junior, as we like to call it, or strawberry sky, or hot peak. No problem. The 15 can sampler has got you covered. You can get it at Costco as well. And if you're outside of Colorado, you want some Breck brews, make sure you check out that Breck beer locator and find the li- nearest liquor store, grocery store, whatever that carries those delicious Breckenridge brews. Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. You may have heard us mention that there are some big things happening in the Colorado rugby space. And guess what? We are spilling the details. DNVR is now covering all things rugby in Colorado and in the United States. Reporter Colton Strickler is keeping you up to date on all things American rugby with the DNVR Rugby Podcast. You can also find his written rugby content right on our site with the rest of our coverage. It was just announced that Infinity Park in Glendale will be the new official training center for the men's and women's USA Eagles 15s teams. That means that Colorado is the place to be for rugby in the United States. Make sure you're keeping up to speed with us and with Colton on the DNBR Rugby Podcast. Support the sport of rugby by following along with the latest news on Twitter at DNBR Rugby. Also, like I said, download the DNBR Rugby Podcast. This is the perfect time to learn the game of rugby, and our guy Colton is doing basic 101 pods to break down the game for you. They are incredible. Colton also brings you exclusive one-on-one interviews with some of the biggest names in American rugby. There was one of those just this week. Remember, supporting our partners is supporting us, so download the DNVR Rugby podcast and follow along at DNVR Rugby on Twitter.
And of course, we love our partners and we love you for joining us every day here on the DMVR Broncos podcast. We love the fact that so many of you chime in with comments every day. So let's get started from Mike1809, who says, my boys. I don't know if that's as good as Zach can do, but I'm it's trying not. here. Sorry, it's not. But I appreciate yeah. the effort. Well, I mean, the thing is, sometimes Zach says so loud, I have to pull my headphones away <laughs> I, a little bit. I wasn't prepared. You know, I'm used to, like, sitting yeah. at home and watching you guys do this. Yeah. And, and when you're putting on the TV, it's totally different than being right inside of your ears. Yeah. Well, he's got to stay on brand, so. He does. He does. Number one from Mike1809. Man, do I appreciate this community. There are always going to be differences of opinion in our tumultuous political climate. I love seeing that we can all express those opinions here in a respectful way and still be united by our shared love for our Broncos. I love that we are addressing the deep need that our country has for racial reconciliation. Recognize that 99.9% .9 of cops are good, and I am proud to be a part of this community. Number two, best high school mascot in our state, the Conifer Lobos. That's a good one. That's a good that one. I don't know. So is Conifer the high school? Is it like the Conifer High School Lobos? Or are they like wolves that live near Conifer trees? Oh, that, that's a good question. I mean, Thank I you. think I hadn't, I hadn't given that any thought. I've still <laughs> got to go with the Rocky Ford Meloneers or the Fort Collins Lampkins. What is a Meloneer or a Lampkin? Well, Meloneer, you know, Rocky Ford, they have cantaloupes down there. Although, as we'll hear from later, as we'll hear later in the podcast, <laughs> I conveniently put it on the other side of the state when I referred to it yesterday. Whoops. Wow. I got it, conf I got it confused with Palisade because Palisade's on the Western Slope. Okay. Okay. That yeah, makes sense. You think of your summer fruit, you think of mm -hmm. Palisade peaches and Rocky Ford uh, melons. So I had no idea that there were melons growing in Colorado. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, that just seems like up in Montana. You're just like, yeah, of course. Are there melons in Montana? You do you know, do you know that? I don't know. Okay. I, I, I would doubt I it. Right. I, I would expect, I mean, if the growing season is long enough, if, if you'd figure if they could grow them here, that there are parts of Colorado that they could grow them. I know. Think that's that's that. an interesting thing. A meloneer. So a meloneer, just like a guy who grows melons, is that the guy who picks the melons, the guy who sells the melons? Maybe it's a little bit of everything. Although I'm going to say that it's the person who, who cultivates, grows, and then picks them. So basically a melon farmer, kind of like I referred to where my parents live in Florida, a town called Tarpon Springs. Their high school was named the Spongers because there was a sponge diving industry that thrived in that mm. town, harvesting sponges from the bed of the Gulf of Mexico just offshore. And that's where sponges come from. Yeah, sponge, they don't well, just come from like some factory or something. Well, now they manufacture them, okay, but back okay. in, but you can still buy real, like real sponges that come from the bottom of the ocean. We should have our own separate podcast, but just for you to tell me things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fact. Yeah, random facts. It basically would be. Uh, did you ever watch Cheers? No. I mean, I was, you were. You're a little too young for that. It would basically be Cliff Clavin facts, usually, except uh, I think I, even though I'm sometimes wrong, I'm right a little more often than uh, Cliff Clavin. I, yeah, recent studies at Johns Hopkins University determined that uh, uh, there actually is some medical bedrock in the phrase, absence makes the heart grow fonder. <laughs> I know nothing about that show, but that voice makes me want to watch it. Yeah, he, he was a, the Bostonian uh, mailman. And when they were oh. figuring out the show, they realized they had to have a bar know-it-all. A know-it-all who didn't really know everything. And yeah. that's where the character of Cliff came from. 
Interesting. Interesting. So much anyway. good stuff. Yes. Number three, Broncos question. Broncos <laughs> yeah, question. The Broncos. There. Oh, yeah. Do you guys have any idea how much our injuries compare to the rest of the league? I've been bummed out hearing about the many injuries that have plagued our team, but I'm wondering if we're worse than average compared to the rest of the NFL. Keep up the good work. Can't wait to face the Titans in less than two weeks. Well, I'm going to lean on the words of, of Les Bowen, who covers the Philadelphia Eagles uh, for the Philadelphia Inquirer, and he was asked about injuries with the Eagles, and the question from someone on Twitter was, what the heck is going on with all these injuries? And Les, being you know, a bit of a smartass, replied, they are playing football. There are injuries all over the league right now. Now, mm-hmm. more soft tissue injuries than usual because of the lack of, of offseason, uh, having to get guys ramped up in a much different manner than usual. But then you've got some injuries that are happening just because they're, they're playing. And, mm-hmm. you know, like Justin Stranod breaks his wrist. That's, a, that's playing football. That is. That is. And it, to me, it feels like the Broncos' injuries aren't that bad in terms of injuries. You know, with Bradley Chubb, you're like, yeah, I wish he was healthy. I wish he was on the practice field. He's still supposed to play week one, yeah. you know, like maybe not as much as you'd want. OJ Mudia seems like he's on the path back. Like uh, you, you got mm-hmm. basically everybody other than Sternod seems if, if I've been paying attention to yeah. be on track to maybe play week one, maybe play week two. Yeah. I mean, KJ Hamler is the one that maybe yeah. you're taking your time with because it's the mm-hmm. hamstring and he's a speed guy. Yep. And yep. that's the, that is his primary tool, and you don't want to do anything to affect that. You also have the luxury of being pretty deep at wide receiver and tight end. Yeah, I know you can't replace that vertical speed that K.J. Hamler has, but receiver and tight end over the last few drafts have become the deepest positions on the offense, probably right there with running back because you have two pro bowlers there. But you have guys in reserve. Maybe you do more two tight end formations than you would other than you would otherwise, and have Noah Fant as more of that inside threat, who himself can be a mismatch as well. There are a lot of things that you can do to adapt. You don't have to rush KJ Hamler back. So let him heal. Let that hammy get back to 100 percent and play the long game with him. Yep, I agree. And and what you were saying about playing a little bit heavier personnel to start the season off, I like that anyway. As much as I really do like Drew Locke and think that he's the answer, let's 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 ease him in. Let's not put him in a situation where he has 14 weeks left in a season and it's not looking good. You can at least like let him, you know, rely on Melvin Gordon, rely on all these tight ends you have, rely on Philip Lindsay and and you know, figure some things out. And then when KJ Hamler's there to take the top off the defense, let him feast on everything underneath when the rest of the league is scared of the running game. 100% Hank. And it's funny, the piece I'm working on right now that I'll have up here not too long after the podcast is basically kind of making that point that you want to run the ball early. You, you got to focus on what you know you can do best. You have a couple of Pro Bowl running backs. You should be able to run reasonably well on the left side and you're expecting to have Graham Glasgow in the lineup in week one. So yep. just focus on the run, focus on the screen game, and then play action shots to Cortland Sutton downfield to complement that. It might not be sexy. It might not get you 31, 34, 35 points, 
but it's something that you can compl- you can complement with the defense that's supposed to be pretty good. I think everyone is expecting a top five defense from the Broncos this year. Mm-hmm. At least everyone in Broncos country is, and allow Drew Locke to focus on protecting the football. He said it yep. earlier in training camp that his first job is to protect the ball. I love it. That's exactly what I want to hear. Yep. Um, I'll grab the next one with Dan Burke saying, Hey y'all, I've noticed certain fans have started an anti drew narrative and are bringing on random guests to criticize drew and say things like he's not someone you can build an offense around. I understand tempering expectations, but this is a bit excessive. No, are we really going to read too much into that stadium practice and a bunch of recent practices where the team is running scout most of the time? Teams are struggling all over the league. Brady's been struggling against the Bucks D despite getting off to a hot start to the point where he's using VR for the first time in his career to get extra reps. Looking at some Ravens training camp reports, the defense has been dominating over there too. It's not something that's exclusive to Drew, and Drew doesn't have the luxury of being in the same system or having a veteran supporting cast like Lamar or Brady. Uh, he responded to his own comment and said, okay, I just heard the interview with Eric Davis and Buddy said that Drew is backup caliber and not someone you build an offense around. I know y'all don't want to talk negatively about peers, and I know y'all are friendly with some of the people on that station, but the fan is a hot mess right now. They even had Prince of Mukamura on yesterday to essentially beg for Vic Fangio to bring him in. Although, well, oh, well, that's not the first we've heard from Prince of Mukamura <laughs> talking positively about Vic Fangio. He thinks uh, very highly of him, but uh, you don't need him now, right? After mm, we've seen what we've needed yeah. to see, right? Like bringing somebody into camp like Prince of Mukamura and say, guess what? We have three guys who we think have a shot to be worthy of being the number three corner. Let's add a fourth who we're much more confident will be. I think yeah. I mean, you guys have been out there. I've just been listening to you talk, but it seems like we have seen enough to at least want to get the reps for those guys when the season comes. Honestly, I, I'm confident in Devontae Bosby and Devontae Harris at this point. They both look better than they did last year. Devontae Harris, I think, has really turned a corner here in the last couple, last couple of weeks. And Bosby, you like because he's going to make plays on the ball and he's tenacious. I, I'm, I'm comfortable with those guys as the three and four. I think the only thing is if Bryce Callahan gets hurt, that's when you start getting concerned. So if you just want to make sure you're completely covered, you think about it. But at the same time, I'm concerned where the Broncos stand right now at uh, at, at at cornerback. But uh, the comment of of uh, someone saying that Drew Locke is backup caliber, man, you know, that's we'll wrong. See, that's that's wrong. He he is a starter now. The question is, is he going to be a high level starter at some point, or is he going to settle somewhere in the middle tier? And if he's a middle tier player, can you win with that? I, I look, I expect him to be a middle tier quarterback this year. The question is, can he go to another level? I mean, I, I tossed it around the name Matt Ryan an awful lot, not in terms of style, but in terms of overall performance and proficiency. I think that's the ceiling for Drew Locke, that he could have a Matt Ryan kind of career. If he hits that, then that's great. I'm you're really happy with that. That means you're contending most years. You're pretty, you're, you're, you're ecstatic with that. You're and you, it may not be Patrick Mahomes, but you can't use Patrick Mahomes as the standard mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes. He's the supernova. He, he is to the chiefs. What John Elway was to the Broncos. That that's just how you have to view it. What you're looking for is somebody who won't be phased by it, who can be good enough to allow this team to contend 
And that's why you look at a, a guy like a, a Matt Ryan or a, a Matthew Stafford and say, okay, if Drew Locke can reach that level, you're fine. Yep, and I, I think that that's all great stuff that I totally agree with. And you know what? Drew Locke just is not a backup caliber quarterback right now. Right. You know, there's that, there's that take that still kind of exists, even though you're seeing more and more quarterbacks go to the NFL and have success, that basically revol- revolves around the thought that there are not 32 starting caliber quarterbacks alive on planet Earth. And if you want to make that claim and say, you know what, the bottom 12 those are guys who probably should be backups. There should be enough good quarterbacks. They, they are not guys you want starting. And if you want to say, as of right now, Drew Locke is in that bottom 12. He's the 20th quarterback. You know, I still don't think I could get there. But I think that's the only way he could possibly defend that take, right? Yeah. And even then, I think bottom 12, I mean, you've still got some guys in there that can help you win. I think yep. seeing some lists that have Drew Locke is like 27, 28, 29. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's higher than that. I, if he mm-hmm. is, if he's twentieth or twenty-first, he's in the middle tier. Not yep. great, but if he if he's delivering when it matters the most, and he's not making mistakes that beat you, all things considered, in twenty twenty, you're happy with that. You're taking you're taking that and bring him back next year and saying, okay, let's see how you improve because this year the way he performs. This year is not the end point. This is a step. Yeah. I mean, and it's a step for this offense as well. It's not just Drew Locke, but this whole offense should be seen that way where it's like, okay, mm-hmm. you have a lot of talent. There are a lot of things we're like, and we're excited about it. If you want to say that this is a bottom 10 offense in the NFL on paper, that's a claim that you could defend because we just haven't seen enough out of a bunch mm-hmm. of guys. But going into next season with everybody coming back, with this whole offensive line coming back, except maybe Garrett Bowles, and who knows about that right tackle set situation. You know, there, there are so many pieces. They're just getting better and better. And I think the goal this year should be to be a top half of the NFL offense. Drew should be a top half of the NFL quarterback. And then next year, if things go well, then you start to raise that bar to uh, – uh, let's not even talk about that yet. It gets me too excited. Yep. But very well said. LDJ, I usually leave my comment in the morning, go about my day, but I can't continue the pod without addressing this. I appreciate Broncos squared for his input, and I want to address the comment demanding people love their country, and if they didn't like it, leave, don't like it, leave, and athletes appearing to be ungrateful in the America that allowed them to be millionaires. And by the way, the Broncos squared comment, he, he did post it earlier, uh, said feel free to skip it. And so uh, in the nature of time, we're just going to move on. But I encourage everybody to go read it in the comment section here at the dmbr.com. So LDJ goes on. I want to challenge the, the individual that wrote, who wrote to this, uh, number one, to embrace indifference. And number two, I want to know what does empathy cost you? This country is the greatest country in the world. I agree. And people died for it to be that. But if we recognize those who fought for it and died, we get to recognize the ones who died so it could exist. This this isn't our country. We didn't discover it. We took it. This country wasn't built off hard work. Hard work. It was built off oppression. You have to be empathetic to everyone's point of view of a better America and work together to accomplish that. To insist someone leave is an insane approach. And lastly, I don't care what celebrities and athletes think. I am my own man. However, I appreciate them using their platform because, unfortunately, if they, who have America's attention because of their talent, can't get the word out, there are not a lot of opportunities for others to do so. If athletes have to shut up, if people can't protest, then what's the solution to remain in oppression and not experience equality? I challenge you as I challenge America to embrace difference, to be the best America we can be. Also, 
to the individual who said 99.9% of cops are good. Why in my 34 years of life, 70% of my interactions with police have been bad. I've been arrested five times, never committed a crime, guns drawn on me while I reached for my insurance in my glove compartment, never seen a jail cell, always mistaken identity. We have to have empathy. Stop discrediting people's experience we can't relate to and empathize with them to understand better. The system is flawed and was designed and created for people who don't look like me. So if we want the greatest country in the world to change, it, so we want the greatest world, country in the world to change so it lives up to that moniker, pardon me. I'm open to any dialogue that leads to action. Everybody stay safe and blessed. Uh, can I just jump in here since I haven't been on this podcast yet and just yeah. say, it is so cool that people are talking about this in the mm -hmm. comment section of this podcast, that this is a discussion that is ongoing and open. Everybody's, you yeah. know, listening to each other, using this platform for the good things that it can be used for. Um, I do want to add, you know, there is this whole thought process that, you know, these, these athletes make a lot of money. They are successful. Why should they speak about those experiences? And I think that it's important to remember that where somebody is now is not where they've always been. They had a path to get there. They had experiences to get there. And for me, as somebody who covers college football, I see people before they get to the point where they do have a lot of people watching them and a lot of money coming in. And they are going through some very difficult experiences um, before they get to the point where people start to see them. And I think that because that's where people start to pay attention is when they start making money and they start having a different lifestyle than they had growing up. They, they just never see what happened before that, even though all of that trauma that doesn't necessarily exist for every athlete, but a lot of them do go through it it gets ignored in a way that it shouldn't get ignored. And that's really my only contribution to add on top of what uh, Larry Den Jr. said, I think, very well. Yeah, I, I think he said it well also. The other thing is I've had conversations with players in the locker room over the years, and uh, they've, they've talked off record, on record, about being pulled over by cops. Uh, and a lot of them like to use the term DWB, driving while black. Yeah. And, 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 it, and that's important it's, it's to remember. Something that, yeah, it's something that I can't, I'm not going to sit here and say I can relate to with my own experience, but we can have empathy and we can listen and understand that, uh, that other people are going to have experiences that are different from, from your own. Uh, me as a, as, a, as a white guy, uh, I, I will admit I haven't had to deal with that, but just because I haven't experienced it personally doesn't mean that it doesn't happen because I'm hearing because I'm hearing from guys who are being honest and that I trust that this does happen. Exactly. And and it is so important to remember that just because they now are at this point doesn't mean that everything just goes away. Definitely right. some of it does. Some of it does. And and that's just the way the world works because money does solve some problems. But right. that sort of thing still does totally exist no matter how much money you have. And for me, I have, I think, only ever been pulled over for doing something that I shouldn't have been doing. I was speeding, I ran a red light, whatever. I can say, though, that those experiences are awful. Even if you totally deserve it, even, you know, you get the ticket, all of that, even if for me as a, a white person, I don't have to be as, you know, I don't have to be thinking about the same things that other people may have to think about. It still is, you know, the low point of the week. And even if there isn't like some horrible negative outcome that comes away, even if you don't get a ticket for whatever you are doing, the, the driving while black ordeal, that does take a toll in and of itself. And I think it's recognizing those 
even, you know, not to call it minor, um, situations that you have to go through, if, if it doesn't escalate, those still exist and those still are not, not acceptable. Exactly. Very, very well put. Uh, I will ju- uh, jump in with maybe the dingo ate your baby. You guys say it like this. You guys say it. With okay. Yeah. Teach me real quick. And it made famous. It was in a movie in the eighties, but then it was made famous by Elaine Bennis on Seinfeld. <laughs> maybe the dingo ate your baby. <laughs> Wow. Just like that. You know what? Just like I just realized I've never done an accent publicly before. In fact, well, even in private, I don't even know when the last time I tried one was. So let's see how this goes. Be bold. Do it. Be bold. Maybe the dingo ate your baby. Not that. That was bad. I not that. It was a first try though. I, that's true. That's true. Hey, yeah. Mr. Uh, the dingo ate your baby. Please send another comment so I can try this again tomorrow. <laughs> Um, to to get to the point though what's up peeps i hope all is well in the mile high city i have a couple questions is greatness in a position group contagious we've been lucky to watch champ bailey for almost all of his career and toward the end of his career chris harris jr seemed to carry the torch from him the outside linebacker group has been at a level i've never seen as a fan of the broncos for the last 34 years because of the addition of von miller is it contagious and if it is why doesn't it translate to quarterbacks? Okay. This, I, I have a thought on this. I, and, and Okay. There have been instances where you've had nice quarterback transitions, like in San Francisco, uh, for the franchise at least, going from Joe Montana to Steve Young back in the early 1990s. But I think there is a key thing that leads to more situations where the quarterback, who's the incumbent, isn't quite as helpful and that is there's only one guy at quarterback who's playing whereas you have two outside linebackers you have two or three cornerbacks depending on uh, which formation you're going to use most often so it's a different dynamic champ bailey can kind of give a helping hand to chris harris jr and not threaten his own job Von Miller can offer tips to Shaq Barrett, Shane Ray, now Malik Reed, Jerry Itachu, and it's not going to threaten his job, at least in the short run, because, you know, maybe the guy plays on the other side. But quarterback, there's only one. And I think that's why it's a little bit of a different dynamic, and you see some examples of the starting quarterback, uh, maybe not consciously freezing the young guy out, but not being involved. There was actually something I was reading today about um, the Colts back when Peyton Manning was there. or uh, It was early. I think it was in the first uh, four years uh, when Tom Moore was there and he was working with Bruce Arians. And the, it came up that from a reporter asking why there weren't more reps for, for the backups. It wasn't a press conference, just kind of off the cuff. And Tom Moore, who actually is still an offensive consultant working with Bruce Arians down in Tampa now, so he's working with Tom Brady. Tom Moore said something to the effect of, because if 18 is not out there, we're effed. Yeah. I, I mean, that kind of does sum it up, though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's great. That's great. And I think there is something to that. I think that uh, – you pretty much hit the nail on the head there. I mean, when you have a guy like Von Miller, especially, you know, every position has its own complexities. But I feel like pass rushers in particular, there is so much technicality to what they do and the different moves you can learn and the chess match that goes on when you're playing that position. I, I do think that 
you can pass a lot of things down. Like we saw DeMarcus Ware pass to Vaughn. Like we're seeing Vaughn potentially, hopefully passing on to Malik Reed. You know, Shaq Barrett definitely pulled a lot from his experience with DeMarcus Ware and with Vaughn Miller. And I do think there is something to that. And I do think that when you have great players, they do make uh, the great players in that position or the other positions, players in that position group better. And uh, with quarterbacks, I don't think you don't necessarily see it not translate. I think that some of it can translate. I do think it's different though. And I think it's harder. And I think that a lot of it is, you know, you're sitting in a meeting room with Tom Brady. It's the quarterback's coach. It's Tom Brady, it's you, maybe some other guy who's also on the roster. You need to be able to listen to how Tom Brady is talking to his coach, listen to the questions he's asking, understand why he's asking those questions, understand how to interpret the responses, how to turn all of that into success on the field in maybe a little bit different way, in a way where Tom Brady isn't walking up to you and saying, hey, bud, here's what I'm thinking I'm going to do. You know, I've been seeing this, so I'm kind of thinking I might ask this question in the same way that Vaughn might actually walk up to a, a Malik Reed and say, hey, your hand was a little bit low. You should, uh, you should pick your hand up when you're trying that move. You know, that, that kind of stuff. And I think that's why maybe you don't see nearly as much of it with the quarterbacks. But I do think that there is something to working with Tom Brady. You know, it, it's, it's not like it has never happened before that success has translated from one quarterback to the next. I think you can get a read on good habits. Like, mm, I like from that. being around Peyton Manning, you can see what he puts into it. And that's mm. one, one of the reasons why it bothered me that Paxton Lynch didn't quite grasp it, is that he saw every morning Trevor Simeon coming into the build, was coming into the building early, first one in, last one out that Trevor was putting in all this extra study. Where did Trevor learn that from? He learned that from being around Peyton Manning for a season and saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to leave no stone unturned. I might not have Peyton Manning's skills, his, uh, his, his abilities, all that, but I can work this hard. That's something that I can emulate. And I feel like Paxton, the light bulb should have gone on for him to see mm-hmm what Trevor was doing and how early he was coming in and how late he was staying and how much effort he was putting into his study, why he was doing that, where he learned that from and saying, Oh, well, Trevor got this from Peyton. Maybe this is the sort of thing I need to do. Maybe I need to do more, but alas, it just didn't click on for Paxton. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious what you have to say about Brock Osweiler in that sense, because you know, as somebody who's from Montana, for those of you who have not heard me on this podcast before he refed my uh, first ever touchdown pass fourth grade I think skipped a ball into the tight end big old bounce he called it a touchdown my first ever touchdown uh as a child so I have like this soft spot for him I wanted to see him do well and I think that might be why I'm clinging to this belief that if he had stayed with the Broncos maybe things would have turned out differently for him I think he would still be in the league yeah I'm not saying he'd be with the Broncos because I think what would have probably happened is that he would have done okay but not great yeah and they would have got, let's say they give him a two-year contract at at 15 and a half million dollars a year yep i think they probably would have come out of that two-year contract thinking okay he's he's fine but is he worth this sort of money or do we go in another direction 
Yeah. I do think the 2016 season would have been a lot better as a mm-hmm. team-wide. I think the Broncos with Brock Osweiler in 2016, instead of going 9-7, and seven, finish at least 11-5 and five and win the division mm-hmm. and have a playoff home game. Because the reason why I think they win the division is I don't think they lose that game to Kansas City in November. I think they have a little bit more in the tank and they win that game, and that ends up being uh, what kind of provides the push to allow them to win the AFC West. As a uh, Brock Osweiler homer, I can say that I'm very happy to have heard that. Yeah, but I think his tight, the season he would have had, it would have been just okay. Uh, if you're going by passer ratings, somewhere in the, in the mid-'80s to around 86, 87. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah I, I see that, though, because yeah. he was capable of doing that. Like, and he had been groomed to fit into what was happening in Denver, and I think that that is very valuable. Whereas when you leave to go to the Texans and you have a whole crazy situation and you can say what you want about the coach or the whatever you want, it is very hard to change schemes, especially for a young player. I think that that continuity could have changed at least some things for him. Now, what's interesting, though, is that he was groomed behind Manning for one scheme. And then Gary Kubiak came in and he had to function in another scheme, but he generally did well enough to where he said, okay, you you bring him back. Let's see where he goes as the starter in 2016. But the other thing to consider is that in March of 2015, Peyton Manning coming back, Brock Osweiler going into the final year of his rookie contract, Gary Kubiak and the Broncos tried to get Tyrod Taylor who had been the backup quarterback in Baltimore for Gary Kubiak. And Taylor thought he had a better chance at playing time right away in Buffalo. So he signed with the Bills. But that's an alternate history because if the Broncos signed Tyrod Taylor, given his background with Kubiak, I think he does push Osweiler out in 2015. And when Peyton gets hurt and has the foot problems, it's Tyrod Taylor playing. And I think he would have done pretty well. Yeah, I had forgotten, but there was a very real period of my life where I was pounding the table for Tyrod Taylor to come to Denver. I thought, because it was was right after maybe that four-interception season when I thought that he was just, I mean, he was perfect. Similar to how recently I've been thinking back a lot to how Colin Kaepernick could have come to Denver. It's kind of like the same thought process to me. It's like either one of those guys. I'm just curious what would have happened. Now we get to see Tyrod Taylor, though, with the Chargers. And uh, I don't know. Maybe we will regret not having brought him to Denver. Well, I think his chances of success, unfortunately, are affected negatively by the loss of Derwin James for the season. Because the equation for the Chargers this year, if they were going to succeed, it was great defense, ball control offense that doesn't make mistakes. And the one thing Tyrod Taylor does well is he doesn't make back-breaking mistakes. But he also doesn't push, doesn't push it. So t- in many ways, Tyrod is actually an ideal complement for a team with a great defense. I but totally will that agree. defense be as good as we were expecting without Derwin James? That's a huge question. It is a massive question. Yeah. So anyway, that's, uh, that's, that's a, that was a good question that started this whole thing. By the way. <laughs> it was. Maybe the dingo ate your baby. Drew Laka. Hey, gentlemen. If we would not have signed Melvin Gordon this offseason, do you think Elway would have been interested in signing Leonard Fournette? Obviously, we are not going to do it now. 
but do you think that would have been a better move slash fit for this team? Thank you again for everything you do. Hope you and your families are staying happy and healthy and go Nugs. And he also adds, by the way, the coolest high school mascot in Nebraska, in my opinion, belongs to our rival school, the Elkhorn High School Antlers. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. It's good, but also, like, in the name, they are saying Elkhorn and also saying, like, essentially, yes, we understand that Elks have antlers, not horns. So that does kind of like do this weird thing where it's like Elkhorn antler. It's like two different ways to say the same thing. And one of them is definitely the wrong way to say it, you know? Yeah. I don't think Elk I can get antlers. The, the cantaloupers, the melon, meloneers, meloneers. That's meloneers. what it is. That's still better. Meloneers still better in my book. Well, if they were the cantaloupers, you could, you could <laughs> shorten it to lopers. Ooh. Aren't there some teams that use lopers? There, yes, but for like, antelopes, not for cantaloupes. Right. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's fascinating. Wow. Anyway, back to the question. Would Elway have been interested in signing Leonard Fournette? Wow. Mm, I'm not sure. That being said, he did pay $8 million for Melvin Gordon this year. Yeah. But I think they I think they would have gotten to the point where if they had not signed Melvin Gordon, they would have brought someone else in a while ago. I mean, I think they would have looked at a, a, a Devontae Freeman, for example. Yeah, so I, I don't, don't think, think they were... I agree. I don't think they were waiting this long. Um, but I will say, Melvin Gordon and uh, Leonard Fournette are both guys who I feel like I have been higher on. As, as a lot of people have said, like, ah, maybe they don't have it. Maybe they don't have, like, Pro Bowl potential, all pro potential. These are still two guys who I feel good about moving forward. I think Leonard Fournette, when has leaving Jacksonville ever been a bad thing for anybody? <laughs> never like he's gonna go he's gonna have like he had 76 catches last year mm-hmm. there's gonna be a spot for him he's gonna look really good melvin gordon i haven't shared all my thoughts on him on this podcast at least but uh as a very good running back and he is going to be very good for the broncos this year i'm happy mm-hmm. it's him not fournette yeah and another thing with fournette what does it say about him that the 31 other teams saw him on waivers last year of his contract $4 million cap figure and everybody passed. Now, some of it is the environment that we're in, mm-hmm. in that revenues are down and the salary cap could be sitting at 175 million next year. And that's as low as it can go. But I think the expectation is it's going to be right around 175 million. And nobody has had really budgeted for that prior to the pandemic. You need all the carryover you can get to make things yeah. work for your cap in 2021. And I think, I think in this environment that contributed to Melvin Gore or Melvin Gore, um, Leonard Fournette going unclaimed on waivers in the last 24 hours. I also uh, correct me if I'm wrong here. Cause I could be, but I'm pretty sure that if you're, if, if you've had a player opt out of the season, that cap space can be used this season, but I don't believe it rolls over. Right. Well think of it this way. Like Jawan James, when he opted out, mm-hmm. the Broncos had that space. But then he is playing next year under this year's terms. Yeah. Aside from the, the, the signing bonus, but they're, you know, as part of his signing bonus also is already on the books for 2021. So if you fill that, if, if you fill that space right away, well, then you don't get that carryover. And what the Broncos are counting on is having a carryover that effectively allows them to absorb Jawan James's contract for 2021 without it, without it affecting, having a greater effect than it's going to have. 
But what the Broncos do lose is the potential to cut Jawan James. Jawan James could have been a cap casualty next year. Yep. Now, not going to happen. Jawan James will be on the team in 2021 unless the Broncos find a trade partner. And if he's healthy, you can expect him to be the right tackle. And that's why they, that's why they looked at DeMar Dotson and, and brought him in. And that's why they looked at Elijah Wilkinson as a potential solution because Elijah's in his last year before he becomes an unrestricted free agent and DeMar Dotson is on a one-year deal. They are looking at bridges until Jawan James is back out there next year. Yep. And to me, it's just really disappointing that there hasn't been a, almost like a conclusion to this Juwan James saga where, you know, I'm not, I'm not out on Juwan James by any means. I think he could come back and he could be a good football player for the Broncos. But as of right now, you're thinking like, ah, oh, this is disappointing. I wish that this, uh, this is, was not happening, that he would have just been able to play because even if he were to come out and play well, and then we just know, like, okay, you have this option. Somebody who you can keep under contract who played well, that is something that you now have as a known quantity. Either that or it's, no, he disappointed in the time that he played or he was hurt again, and now you can move on. And not just progressing through this storyline that is kind of a negative storyline that you want to get to the end to as soon as possible. That's what's so frustrating about this Juwan James thing. Yep, very well put. Uh, I've got the next one, which comes in from Bangkok Bronco. Hi, gents. I'll touch wood as I say this, but if Bradley Chubb's knee turns out to not be fully healed, leading to further problems, and he misses more substantial time this season, is there any chance you think the Broncos might decide not to pick up his fifth-year option, or has he shown enough already to warrant being given the benefit of the doubt? Thanks. BB out. That is a very good question because, of course, that fifth-year option is guaranteed for injury. So if he has further injuries, you're on the hook for it no matter what. What happens with the fifth-year option, when you pick it up in the spring, you can rescind it at any point over the next 12 months unless there's an injury. And with Bradley mm. Chubb having uh, the, this ACL injury, he had an ACL earlier in his football life. Now having this, yeah, it's, it's something to consider. I mean, if Bradley Chubb plays, let's, let's say, God forbid, he only plays eight games this year. And yeah. injury break. I got to think the Broncos pass on that option just because of because of the injury guarantee they're not going to want to take on. Yeah, that is uh, that is scary. Oh. But at the same time, uh, it's so it's so hard to pass yeah. that up when you know that he could. Like my expectations still. I here's where I'm going to go with this. If he plays eight games this season, say he has six sacks in those eight games. That might be a little I feel like that's a fair standard to hold him to. Then going into next season, I am expecting still to see him put up 14 sacks over the course of the season. You know, my expectations still I do not think would be changed. I think I'd pick up the fifth-year option. It's tough, though. It's really tough, though. Yeah, and remember, the fifth-year option, it's, it's higher for the guys picking the first 10 selections of the draft than those 11 to 32. And for a linebacker like Bradley Chubb, I mean, that fifth-year option, it's, it's going to be pricey. It is. It's going to push probably around $15 million. And when you're running through the numbers for all this stuff, the next number you have to look for is what is the franchise tag? Because, you know, that is kind of your insurance policy. That's you saying, essentially, we're betting against Bradley Chubb. 
because we think we can get him for less than this $15 million or whatever the, the, the fifth year option is, what is that franchise tag number? How much of a risk are you really taking? Is that number at 22 right now? Is it 23? Yeah. It's got to be right around there, right? Top five average pass rushers, outside linebackers. Yeah. How are they? I don't know. That, it's a tough decision. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? I, that, thinking about it, though, does make me think I'd probably pass on that option. See if you can get him for less. If you have to give him a deal for more, give him a deal for more. If you have to franchise tag him, then you're out $7 million bucks. Yeah, I'm bringing him back. Unless he misses the entire season or he's not productive when he gets out there, I'm bringing him back. And I'm also looking at a per-game basis because let's say he's out there for seven games and he has seven sacks or six sacks yeah. or five sacks. That's elite production. I'm going to roll the I'm going to roll the dice on, on that. Before we move on, I want to tell you about Strava Craft Coffee. And, boy, I needed some Strava Craft Coffee this morning because uh, – <laughs> I was up late taking my puppies outside, and uh, it was a little tough to get going in the morning, but Strava Craft Coffee helped me out. You can now subscribe and save 20% with a Strava Craft Coffee subscription. A lot of you have taken advantage of that one-time code, and now you can save 20% off your favorite coffee forever. You'll never have to put, put in your credit card info again. So let's say you have never tried it, though. Let's say you are wondering about Strava Craft Coffee. We've been talking about it for a while. It's CBD-infused, so it's got all the benefits of marijuana without the psychotropic effects that you don't want to have necessarily. So use that magical code, DMVR20, and save 20% off your first order. And that 20, if you go to the website and subscribe, like I mentioned, you get 20% off you can get your coffee every two three four six or eight weeks and you can get any product they've got it for your for your keurig k-cups for example plenty of ways to get strava craft coffee remember purchase online for 20 percent off using that magical code as zach would say dmvr20 or subscribe and save 20 percent every order and don't forget you can get strava craft coffee throughout denver if you don't want to subscribe but you just want to have a taste of it Carbon Cafe and Bar, Drip Denver, Slow High Coffee, Blue Sparrow Coffee, Max Market, and also at the DNVR Bar. You can get that terrific Strava Craft Coffee. Try it sometime. Definitely try it sometime. I tried my first cup here at the DNVR Bar probably like a week ago. Can't go back. Just can't go back. But you'll, never forget, but you'll never forget your first time, right? I will never forget my first time. <laughs> Also want to give a quick shout out to Green Mountain Dental Group. They're out in Lakewood. They're also the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro, and they're extreme Colorado sports fans just like all of us, so you should be supporting them. Our sales director, Lindsay, just had her wisdom teeth removed at Green Mountain Dental. She said it was literally the best experience of her life at a dentist. They send you a personal card to your home after becoming a new patient. I love that. I love that. After Lindsay's surgery, the doctor personally calls and checks up on you a few days later schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam and you will receive a free sonicare toothbrush so tweet at us when you go there because we want to see how clean your teeth look tag us and then uh, tag us and then when you support or when you go there show them how this community can support our biggest supporters also want to give them a bonus shout out because they are the presenting sponsor of the dnbr buffs podcast so uh safe to say i wouldn't have a job if not for green mountain dental so let them clean your teeth Yes, uh, and keep and let's keep Hank around. But yes, yes. Green Mountain Dental, the, <laughs> like you said, the best damn family-owned dentist in Colorado, and they're Colorado sports fans, so they're ecstatic about the Nuggets winning last night. Mm-hmm. Probably not happy with the Rockies getting shelled last night. And by the way, top of the first, they're already down four nothing. As I we was, record this, 
I was on the DMVR bets podcast before this, and uh, yeah. I got a little bit mead, honestly, toward the Rockies. Uh, I, I honestly is kind of a relief to see them uh, down four with the bases loaded in the first inning, because uh, I would I would have honestly felt really bad if I had like said all the terrible things I just said, and then they came out and proved me wrong. Maybe I, no, actually, I would have enjoyed it. I did put yeah. money on the Giants, though, so that, that'll balance that out. All right, let's move on. Count Locula says, it's always a good day when you're moving pretty slowly and your boss is on one. Am I wrong? Hashtag 22x, <laughs> love the count. Love the count. Uh, ah. 22 Janos has become 22 Bex. I love it so much. 22 Bex. Uh, I also, uh, the, the 15 Breck Beck sampler, that was very good yesterday. You guys oh, deserve yes. credit for that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so if we can't have 22, we can have 15. Exactly. It's perfect. So maybe it become. maybe we see a game where it's the 15 uses of Andrew Beck. That's the 15 Becks that mm-hmm. he's playing tight end, H-back, fullback. You know, maybe he's in different roles on special teams as well. He even threw a pass officially in a game last year. That's true. So See, finally, that's, yeah. that's something we could do. We got to get some of these video producers on that. Like, just animate, you know, the 15 cans. you like, maybe like the can spins around. you like, zoom in. It's a play from Andrew Beck doing something. And it's all 15 things he can do. We just have to yeah. make sure. I, see him I'm confident there are 10 or 12. There's, yes. there's got to be 15. He must if, be doing 15 things. If you want to get him to 15, put him on defense for a snap. Just one. You know he'll do something. You'll know yes. he'll do something noteworthy. Yeah, you got injuries at inside linebacker right now. Give him a snap just to say you Why did not? it. Why not? And then, yeah. you know, you're talking about how they, they, they are very balanced, 25 offense, 25 defense. Count him as a defensive player. Keep my guy, Levante, uh, yeah, Levante Bellamy around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I Love that, man. That. Yes. Uh, this one's mine with Broncos, Sooners, New York Rangers. Interesting. Okay. It's an interesting combination of teams. I like it. Okay, my boys, happy hump day. Crack a break brew and dance on the haters while the Nuggets advance. I'm not a Nuggets fan, but glad to see my DMVR fam happy. I'll be rooting for y'all the rest of the way. Let's talk some football, shall we? Do you think the defense has dominated because they've had more continuity? This is now year two with the same scheme, head coach, and defensive coordinator. The offense, on the other hand, has now had two coordinators in back-to-back years and a different scheme to adjust to. I'm not making excuses for the offense, but wouldn't it seem likely they'd get outplayed when they are young, inexperienced, and adjusting to a new scheme against a defense with a Hall of Fame-level edge rusher and pro bowlers all over the field? Just my two cents. I'm not panicking yet. Here's a delicious mile-high salute to the haters. Go Broncos. It's more than two in two years. It's five coordinators in five years. That's incredible. It's incredible. I mean, and that's why even though there were struggles – I was still a little bit surprised that the Broncos did ax Rich Gangarello after last year. Mm-hmm. And you know what's so frustrating about it, though, is that oftentimes when you see coordinators leave, it's because they're getting head coaching jobs. And that's been the case. But for the most part, it kind of just feels like the Broncos have felt that they've hired duds. Yeah. Well, Bill Musgrave got caught up in Vance Joseph getting fired. Yep. Rick Dennison... That was Gary Kubiak moving on, and yep. you know Kubiak and Dennison are joined at the hip. So is Brian Periani, and you know up in Minnesota, the band is back together right now. Oh, they love themselves. Oh boy, they love uh, themselves up there. 
find somebody as loyal to you as Brian Periani is to Gary Kubiak. Seriously. Or if you're Periani, find so to commit the reverse comparison, find someone who will keep hiring you the way Gary Kubiak keeps hiring Brian Periani. As long as Kubiak is coaching in the league, Brian Periani is going to have a job. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, Coops took him to Baltimore for that one year. Yeah, yeah. You know, covering the buffs now with Carl Durrell, another yeah. one of these offensive like west coast coaches who's a part of that whole thing he was the broncos uh, offensive court no he was receivers coach i believe with uh the ed mccaffrey rod smith first duo to have a thousand yards all that kind of stuff but you follow him around too and it's the same thing where it's like oh here he is with the the kubiaks here he is with the uh the grudens you know it's just all these ties of all these west coast people the shanahan's and it's just uh, it's it's honestly it, what is the word for when it's all like you're you're giving jobs to your family members I'm nepotism blanking. nepotism it's like <laughs> very obvious nepotism everywhere but it's almost like an ad for nepotism like saying you know what maybe this nepotism isn't a bad thing because it seems like it's basically kind of working wherever they go you know it's it's like a bright spot for nepotism yeah, to a degree, because I remember in Denver in 07, 08, the last years of Mike Shanahan. Now, he was smart enough to make sure Kyle Shanahan went off and did his own thing. Like, Kyle mm-hmm. Shanahan's first NFL job was for John Gruden down in Tampa Bay. But then yep. when Gary Kubiak went to Houston, he brought in Kyle Shanahan. But Mike Shanahan's last few uh, staffs and football operations departments, you had Bob Slowick. And then you had his son, Ryan Solick, on the staff. In personnel, Jim Goodman was the director of scouting. And then his son, Jeff, was also on the staff. You had, of course, we've seen multiple Kubiaks be with the Broncos over the years. Even Rich Tootin, the strength coach, had his son working for the team. And honestly, when I worked for the team at that time, I thought, it's kind of ridiculous. I just don't have the right last name here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Th- th- there's a reason why in like in state, in some state governments, you've got a lot of laws against nepotism. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, I do just want to clarify <laughs> nepotism is a very bad thing that shouldn't happen. It has worked before though. Is what I'll yeah, throw it, out there. Yeah, the, the <laughs> failures outnumber the successes. And if you want to talk about football failure, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll give you one. Bobby Bowden in, at Florida State kept Jeff Bowden as his offensive coordinator way, way, way too long. <laughs> you know what else is way too long? The amount of time we have spent talking about things other than the Broncos for us to be like an oh. hour past the live portion of this. So we better oh, keep moving by yeah, starting that, by actually yeah. answering this question. Yes. Yeah, I'm not surprised the defense is winning. The defense should be winning. You know, Von Miller had his vet day today. This was yeah. not a rest day for Von Miller. This was a rest day for the Broncos offense. Let's let <laughs> them actually go out there and try to play some real football. See what the rest of the NFL looks like. You know, uh, another comment was talking about Tom Brady having struggles against the Tampa Bay defense. Yeah, that's a really good defense. One of the best front sevens of football. A bunch of young guys I really like in the secondary. He's struggling too. When you're going up against a really good defense every day, they know what to expect from you. They're going to, they're, they have the edge. They do have the edge, especially as camp progresses. And I think that's where I'm kind of holding some hope is that we saw a lot of good things out of Drew Locke 
early on in camp. That's when the reports felt like they were a little bit more positive. And then AJ Boye and Bryce Callahan and Kareem Jackson, Justin Simmons. Yeah, they were able to figure him out. They're the best secondary in football. <laughs> yeah. The other thing, though, I'll say this. You get to week two and week three, you are going to see TJ Watt. You're going to see Shaq Barrett. It's true. So, in other words, yeah, week one, you might get a, you get a little bit of a break because Vic Beasley hasn't uh, gotten out there for the Titans yet. And, and Harold Landry is good. He showed a lot of promise. Nine sacks last year uh, working off the edge for the Titans. Of course, he's a third-year mm-hmm. guy that they picked in the first round a couple of, a couple of years uh, back. Or second round, pardon me. I thought he'd be a first-rounder, and then he got hurt. But it gets dicey. So, you know what? It's a respite for a day, but they are going to face some Von Miller-like rushers in terms of production very quickly. So they've got to be ready for that sort of standard. They do. They do. That, that, that is, I think, uh, just something that is absolutely essential. And I'm going, I have way too many tabs open on my computer. I apologize. But let's go to this next <laughs> one from Eric Sickler. With all the talk about how the defense is dominating camp and the offense being off, it strikes me as reminiscent of following recent camps by DNVR and Orange and Blue 760. May she rest in wow. peace. We were told that the D is always ahead of the offense in camp. We were also told the, the longer camp goes, the D has a distinct advantage because they see the same formations and concepts day in and day out. If all that is true with a defense as skilled as we expect this one to be, should we assume that the D is just that good and has the offense pegged now, or is the offense really that behind? I really expect to see some near NFL record lows for offensive production early in 2020 throughout the league, not just Denver. But real quick, one reason why I think, yes, the defense is good, but yes, the offense has a ways to go, is Cortland Sutton yesterday making the point that the offense, they're trying to learn all these concepts, but they're trying to also figure out what they do best, and they're not there yet, and they haven't really consolidated that. That's going to come in time. Yep, yep. And Eric Sickler basically said what I just said, that yes, the defense is going to figure the offense out when, when you know what Jerry Judy looks like when he runs an out route. Because it's hard to figure it out, and it took a few weeks to figure it out. And there's that, but that combined with the route concept, so you can look in the backfield and say, "Oh, running back's doing this." That means we can look over here because we know that time after time after time, this is what happens. You would hope that they aren't that predictable. That isn't that big of a problem because as you get into the season, NFL teams scout NFL teams, and you do have to be multiple. You have to provide different looks. But in general, yes, it does seem like the defense should be figuring out the offense over the course of its camp. One hundred percent. Very well put. Uh, next one, Montana Bronco, my guy. Hey, Mace, I moved from Colorado 29 years ago, and I go back every year. I hadn't realized that Rocky Ford had moved to the Western Slope. Oh. Yeah, my bad, my <laughs> bad. Sorry. Like I said, got it transposed with Palisade. I love it. Also, I was very disappointed that no one mentioned anything about the Avs' awesome win Monday night. Uh, I, I do need to say, I am wearing a throwback Colorado, like the third jersey, the maroon one with the Colorado diagonal. Uh, Peter Forsberg my favorite piece of clothing. Um, I will rep the abs if Mace won't. <laughs> I guess is where I'm going with that. Uh, yeah. oh, okay, now my football. Oh, go Here, ahead. By the way, here's my hockey representation. You can't see it on the pod, but uh, I've got Dave Andrews, oh, there he is. Tampa Bay Lightning uh, bobblehead wow. there next to my uh, Bucks helmet. So a little yeah. Tampa my section team, there. Yeah, my team is already safely in the semifinals. Hanging in there. Yeah, we'll get there eventually. We're just taking our time. Yeah. Okay, but that, by the way, that maroon sweater with Colorado diagonally across the chest, 
that's the best sweater the Avs ever worn. Period. That is why it's the one I own. Yeah, it is so good. It is so good. It also like throws me back. This was like a golden era for me in terms of like hockey, of course, but just my life in general. Like I was like seven or whatever, so I'm just sitting at home like playing the hockey video game, always using this sweater. And so you know, it's a like a throwback to. I, honestly, maybe not better times. If the Avs can pull this out, not better times. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll find out anyway. Let's get to Montana Broncos football question, which is last year and even earlier. Uh, oh, earlier than this, there were a lot of analysts saying preseason games were a waste of time. Now I keep hearing it's hard to make a judgment on players because we haven't seen them in any preseason action. What is your opinion on this? And how do you think it will affect next year? Congrats to the Nuggets. Go Nuggets. Go Avs. Go Rockies. Go Broncos. And it, was, it was capitalized. Yeah. Yeah. Um, four pre, yeah. Four preseason games is a waste of time. It's fair. Two, I think, is reasonable. Yeah. I, I like that take. And I have always been pro preseason, and I've been kind of like the only one. But I just... I think that when people talk about preseason football, they forget how desperate we all are over the course of the summer. And I... I Time after time after time. It seems like every day in the summer I'm saying like, oh, I would, I would love to watch any sort of football right now. It could be terrible football. And then we get there and everybody's like, oh, this isn't that good. And it's like, if, if you called Levante Bellamy being a great running back on undrafted free agent signing day, you would want to watch him the way that I want to watch him right now. You know, I think that there are so many people who really do want to watch the games because we really do get excited. And we want to see like just a glimpse of Drew Locke and a glimpse of what he looks like with Jerry Judy. I love the preseason. Well, Four I'm excited today. Four might I'm be excessive. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited today because the saying Basti was the guy I called. Oh, the, was he? I like that. The undrafted too. guy to, to make the team and, and make the biggest impression. So having him out there with the first team for at least a handful of reps, man, <laughs> I don't know if it's going to indicate anything long-term, but I'm pretty excited about that. One thing with preseason, if they do throttle back to two preseason games, and I think they will, the key is making sure that you don't ha- that what you're cutting out is that last game where you don't play the starters and that Hall of Fame game where the Broncos only played a handful of starters uh, to open up and then didn't even play and then kind of did not play the starters very much in Seattle in the second preseason game last year. So if they're only going to play two preseason games, let's kind of consolidate them in terms of playing time this as the second and third preseason games in most years. Yeah. Because the other, the other thing last year with that five-game preseason, which felt like it took forever. It did. You had the Rams game as well, where <laughs> both the Rams and the Broncos didn't play anybody. That was damn near – actually, it wasn't damn near. It was unwatchable. <laughs> There's another thing also going on. Uh, as, a, as a sports fan, mm-hmm. I haven't missed preseason – because we've had the NBA and the NHL. That's true. And That's MLB true. and MLB going with this warp speed season. Yeah. Haven't missed preseason football. I know. And it's so weird to think like usually the gap between playoff hockey, playoff basketball is very wide before the start of football. And so there is like this transition period. But now we're heading into this stretch where it's Thursday night football. It's the Texans taking on the Chiefs. I'm really excited for that game. Do I watch that instead of the Western Conference semifinals? If that's what's going on, I guess we won't be quite that far. You know, because you're going to have to be making some very difficult watching decisions based on do you want the playoff hockey or do you want the regular season football? This is why you should come out to the DMVR bar. Yes. Or, you know, 
this is why I've got three televisions in my office <laughs> here at home. Yep. Because I don't have to make that choice. I can I can watch both. Although I am deciding which one I want to have sound on because I don't want to have sound for for everything. But yeah, yeah. If if the Nuggets are playing, if the Avs are playing on Thursday night football, no offense to Texans Chiefs, but I've only got a passing eye on that game. Ah, oh, interesting. I I think that's where I'm fitting into. But you know, once we get to game day, I'm just not sure where my heart's going to be at. I do think it'll be fascinating to see some of the ratings early in the season to see if the fact that let's say you get to week two, week three, Mm -hmm. and you have Thursday night football, but oh, by the way, you got the Western Conference Finals or the Eastern Conference Finals that are going head to head. Yeah. What's going to happen? Now, you get to to the finals for both the Stanley Cup and the NBA, you can – kind of plan around that to where mm-hmm. they're not playing on Thursday night but when you've got the you've got the conference finals going on there's going to be competition yep and I'm maybe not for that first game for the Titans for the for the uh, Texans and the Chiefs but I do think you get to some of the other primetime games in future days and if you've got the Eastern Conference Finals Western Conference Finals I think there's going to be a little bit of a hit I Not do much, too. I do too. There's going to be a little bit of a ratings hit, especially for those Thursday night games. And I haven't looked through the full lineup. I only know that first one, but I know in the past, those have not been good football games. And if the week two Thursday night game or the week three Thursday night game is a couple of teams I don't have much interest in watching, which honestly, I don't think there's a team in the NFL I don't want to watch right now. But, uh, you know, that would lead me to try to pick maybe something going on hockey wise well here you go week two week three week four and by the way these are all games that are only on the nfl network now Uh, when the broncos are up it'll also be on channel seven because a local mm -hmm. station will take that game but week two week three week four three nfl network games on thursday night week two cincinnati at cleveland week three miami at jacksonville week four broncos at jets I hate those matchups scream taking ratings that take a little bit of a hit. If you have NBA conference finals going on at the same time. I agree. But at the same time you say Browns bangles and I'm like, Oh boy, is this Browns offense actually finally going to do it? What is Miles Garrett going to look like? There are a lot of pieces on that defense. I kind of like, you know, the, the Bengals, Joe Burrow's first, I guess, second game. How do you, how do you possibly miss that? And so if those Burrow are the worst. Baker Mayfield in the same game. Oh, oh, how do you pass it up? How do you pass it up? Well, you pass it up because maybe you say, okay, uh, the abs, on James, the, yeah. the, the abs are playing this night or it's Clippers Lakers look as happy as I am about the Nuggets being the Jazz I don't have any high hopes that they're going to knock off the Clippers in round two but that's okay at least they didn't backslide from last year I'll bet enough for the both of us okay you go for that okay I appreciate you taking the risk on my behalf I'll I'll do it for you (laughs) and I think we got the last comment coming up here I see two oh did we get one in under the wire then oh oh maybe uh, I got Broncos squared left and True Champ fan twenty four. Okay. Left. Oh yeah, Broncos squared from earlier. So we'll get to that. So we'll okay. We'll do True Champ fan and then Broncos squared. True Champ fan who says, "Sad day." Of course, he had the bet with RK. Congrats to it. all the Nuggets fans. Utah did not deserve to win. You never deserve to win if you blow a three one lead. Very true. Truer words may never have been spoken. 
Yes, that sounds like how a meme was launched. I wish we could. I I hate that the comments are just like a a written medium. I would love to see like a video comment, uh, an audio comment, just because like, I love you, True Champion 24, but I am looking for all of the jazz fan tiers that I can right now. (laughs) And uh, that includes yours. Yes. Oh, boy. Well, that's okay. It's part of the fun. It's it's part of the rivalry, too. So. Mm -hmm. It is. Buck, buckle in because there are going to be a lot of high leverage games played between these two teams in the next few years. And it's going to be so much fun. And yeah. until next year, the Nuggets will have that 3-1 thing over the Jazz, and I am so excited for that. <laughs> All right, Bronco Squared, closing things out. He says, hey, gents, this is a long comment about BLM and the protest, so feel free to skip it or save it for later. Uh, what's your call, Mace? You are the... Uh, adult in the room uh, here i'm just filling in let's read it let's go ahead let's and do, do it. it i like it i think that's the right yeah. call i was really inspired by windy city bronco at least i think it was him who mentioned it would be cool if you guys did a topic on race racial issues on the pod every now and again i know you guys are busy covering the broncos but i wanted to add my take on this current issue plaguing our nation while taking history and teaching classes at BSU, I had a pretty significant realization that may or may not be part of the reason why people get so angered and annoyed with the Black Lives Matter movement. If you can remember back to taking U.S. history classes in high school, when did you experience much discussion about African Americans outside of slavery, the Jim Crow era, and the civil rights movement? I think a huge failure is that we get this historical narrative that basically says the civil rights movement has made everything right. African Americans are equal. This is not the case. We also get this narrow view that the South is all racist and the North is a free society. This is also not the case. And I know that the South has a much more violent and harsh history toward African Americans than the North. Well, after the CRM, states across the U.S. implemented unfair housing laws and a plethora of other exclusionary laws against African Americans and other groups. Hell, Oregon, where I grew up, has a really bad history of this very issue. Basically, what I'm saying is that we get told a story that does not help us to believe or understand that there are innumerable difficulties for African Americans as well as other races in the country. We still have reservations for Native Americans, for God's sakes. Well. After the civil rights movement, racism did not end there, as I feel many people believe. I am a social studies teacher, and I am in no way suggesting that this is the the fault of the teachers for this issue. It's impossible to teach U.S. history in nine months, but people need to open their eyes and see that the CRM was not the end-all be-all for racism here in the U.S. I still believe we are the greatest country on earth, but all great societies need to go through change in order to become better, and that's how the U.S. rolls. God bless, or whatever you believe, Broncos country, and God bless the USA. We can make it through this. Yeah, that's a great comment. I'm glad we we got that in there. And uh, me too. I think it's a it's a great point to say that the yeah, Civil Rights Act of 1964. I'll actually yeah. quote a, a lyric from Bruce Hornsby, who said, "They passed the law in '64 to give those who ain't got a little more, but it only goes so far, because the law don't change another mi- another's mind when all it sees at the hiring time." is the line on the color bar it's oh, you can change the laws but you can't but unfortunately changing hearts and minds sometimes takes a little bit longer it does and uh i will also add that uh if you're looking to dig into this stuff more the documentary 13th on netflix is a very good one ava duvernay it's like 97 percent on rotten tomatoes digs yeah. into a whole bunch of this stuff that you know honestly i uh did not know, definitely did not know. And it's just kind of crazy. You know, the uh, 
Bronco Squared brings up a whole bunch of really good points as a social studies teacher. Like I did not learn about a whole bunch of that stuff. And part of the reason was probably that, again, growing up in Montana, not a whole lot of representation of a bunch of different races. It's basically all just white people. You know, I, I never had a black teacher. I never had a black person working in any of the schools I went to all the way through the end of high school. I never had a black, black professor at the University of Montana. So it, it is like something that has been lacking from my life is just that entire perspective, honestly. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just good to be aware of that kind of stuff. I was, I had a terrific teacher in eighth grade, African-American history teacher, mm-hmm. Mr. Wiggins, uh, Mr. Quitman Wiggins at Tarpon oh. Springs Middle School in Florida. And he, and he opened my eyes. I mean, that was the, that, that was when African-American history month in February was becoming a thing, but opened my eyes to just a, how deep the contribution of, of, of black, of, of black people in our, history is and how underreported and how underserved it is by a lot of the history textbooks and b how it's something that it, it didn't st- it did not stop in 1964 that it, that uh, i mean even in 1990 i mean it, it can it continues to be a, an effort it can there, there continues to be work that must be done um and i, I feel i i feel i feel grateful that i had that that i had that experience because uh it was I. It was eye-opening for me. It made me realize that the history I was I had learned at that point was anything but a complete history, and uh, you know, made me look closer and dig deeper. And uh, I'm, I'm the better for it. So if you're missing, if you're happy to be listening, Mr. Wiggins, thank you. You're one of my favorite teachers that I ever had. What a way to end the show. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I actually, it's weird that the the how. I hear from people who listen that I don't realize they're listening. So you never know. Yeah. 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 Uh, all right. Yeah, well, I'm going to be back here tomorrow. I believe yes. with Zach though, right? For the, or at least the second half, it'll be all of us to start. All three of us to start. Then you and Zach will go through the questions and uh, hopefully you guys won't uh, lose, your, <laughs> lose the tangent as often or go off on tangents the way you and I did, Hank. It's because we, we, do. we haven't done this. We haven't done this in a while. We haven't done a pod since draft season. So yeah. there was a lot of pent up conversation. I, when I, when I did a, a pod with Dre a couple of months back, it was sort of the same thing. Like <laughs> there was a lot that was pent up that we had to kind of get out. You just have on. to. Because I, I miss on. you. I miss you guys. I no, with the quarantine and everything. Yeah. I don't get to see the entire crew the way that yeah. Sometimes we get to someday well, the world will be well, back to normal and well, hopefully well, at that point. I'm, I'm hoping. I'm hoping it'll be back to at least that I can. I'll come in on some off hours when the uh, the bar is closed once we get past camp here. And mm, uh, I like it. We, we got to Yeah, we'll we'll be figuring out our routine right now. We've been recording this podcast after practices, so it's been recorded midday. I think uh, probably next week we get back into the routine of recording it in the mornings and uh, okay. you know the, the the new normal. But Hank, great having you on, man. Appreciate it, and uh, can't wait to talk to you tomorrow. Before we go, I want to tell you a little bit more about our friends over at Green Mountain Dental, the best damn family-owned dentist in the Denver area, of course, and they love Colorado sports. Like I said, hey, they were excited about the Nuggets uh, holding off the Jazz last night in that inelegant but ultimately enjoyable second half. Uh, Green Mountain Dental Group, they're in Lakewood, but you can access them from anywhere in the metro area. You can schedule a cleaning, x-ray, exam, and get that free Sonicare toothbrush. And trust me, you want the Sonicare toothbrush. It 
encourages good brushing habits because you hear the beep go off that tells you just how much time you need to be brushing. I need that. Yeah. You know what? Because we all are tempted to brush for 30 seconds or 20 seconds and be done. No, no, no. Two minutes. So you need the Sonicare to remind you of good brushing habits. Green Mountain Dental, they'll treat you like family, like Hank was saying earlier with the experience that Lindsay uh, had. They'll give you birthday cards. They, they, they want you to be a part, not just a customer, not just a client, but part of their family. And they're only 15 minutes from downtown Denver, easy access from anywhere in the Denver metro area. The first step to good health is taking care of your mouth, Green Mountain Dental. These are the professionals you want to trust to do the best job with your dental care. For Zach Stevens, Hank Henry Chisholm, and I'm Andrew Mason. Thanks for listening to the DMVR Broncos podcast. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.